Autism now affects 1 in 88 children, in which 1 in 54 are boys, and the prevalence figures are growing daily. Autism is the fastest growing serious developmental condition in the United States that costs a family $60,000 a year on average, while the cause receives less than 5% of the research funding of many less prevalent childhood diseases. As to date, there is no medical detection or cure for autism. Help us at the Jayzo Modcast Network change that as April is National Autism Awareness Month. We ask all of you to join us this month in honoring the boys and girls who live with this condition each and every day of their lives, in donating to a charity centered around researching and possibly finding a cure. Any amount is welcomed because chances are you personally know someone directly affected with autism. Let's come together and make a change. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 126. Welcome. The world of myth bits. Welcome to the world of myth bits. We uh, do have a new newsletter that came out this week. So we're going to kind of summarize. Have you not uh, received it or or opened it because it's nice to have the newsletter in our midst again. Uh, so first and foremost, want to remind everybody that uh, the third annual co- open contract challenge has opened. And I'm going to go through through the rules really quick just so we can again remind everybody in case you are hesitant, in case you are not sure, in case you're you're questioning yourself or thinking, oh, it's not worth it. Like just just give it a listen and then give it a think. Okay, so the contest is offered to the public. So that means everybody. Okay, it is open to writers, poets and artists, anything that is publishable. That's what's wanted. It doesn't matter how many times you've been published, you're eligible. Okay, so you do have to be 18 or older to be awarded the grand prize. uh, And you must have the rights to your work, both print and electronic rights. And most genres are welcomed, excluding what would be considered as pornographic. Um, So, you know, or on the side of caution. And work published in any pre... Sorry. Work published previously in any copyrighted newspaper, magazine, book, or other medium, it it is ineligible. Writing for school publications, however, may, that may be entered. So, yeah, it's just originality. And you can enter through the website at www.opencontractchallenge.com. 
And this is all due by 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Thursday, April 30th, 2021. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's a big thing and, and everything is digital. And you also have to remember that not only the integration of the previous challenges means that previous winners are going to be the judges. And so that means that you have people who've been through it, who kind of know and understand and can empathize with the stakes and the efforts that it takes to even think about submitting. And so that to me makes it a really like a a full circle kind of moment to have the involvement from previous winners. The decision of the judges are final, and so submission indicates acceptance of all the contest rules. And if you do have any questions, you can email opencontractchallenge at jzoman.com. And you should get, get all your answers or your questions answered if you need it. I don't know. It's just, it's so worth it. It's so worth it to give yourself the opportunity to jump into it. And even if you have entered before, like it's open to you still. And um, I don't know, just give it a go. Give it a shot. What have you got to lose? Recently, there was a board meeting held. And the great thing is that the world of myth and Jazo, Jazo Mon wants everybody to know what's going on in these meetings. So in the newsletter, there is a nice summarization of what went down. And I'm just going to run through it really quick. Uh, if you don't get the newsletter, seriously sign up for it. It's it's so helpful. And like I said, it keeps you nice and informed if you're really interested in everything that's going on. And especially right now, there is so much on the horizon for Dark Myth and Jazomon that news and updates are very rewarding because it feels like there's especially in the coming months there's just there's gonna be a lot of big stuff happening still on the notion of the open contract challenge the art edition has moved into phase one of setup an open contract challenge commercial has been added to all podcasts and space is now available for a few of you to plug your work the commercial will be inserted into the podcast on the network so you will hear an ad and a commercial later and it's really nice really cool um and again hopefully it inspires people to submit so also the guidelines of co-author submissions for the open contract challenge were discussed and finalized it was all decided that the prize will be split and if it is a grand prize only one ticket to pce will be purchased and the other ticket is for the winners to work out details between the authors and On the front of the world of myth bits, there have been conversations and uh, we, Joe and I, you and I have kind of been playing with these ideas for a while. So uh, we are actively discussing the notion of doing dramatic readings of stories from the magazine. So hopefully this is something that you will get to hear soon because, you know, the the whole point of it is, and we've talked about this really extensively, is there are submissions into the magazine that are 
so phenomenal. I know so many writers. It's it's so hard not to picture your work a certain way and whatnot. And I think, like, it could be just something cool, you know, that that we can can do and procure for the writers. So hopefully, like I said, that's something that you will get to hear at some point. On top of that, though, the podcasts, we will be seeing... The start date for Grindhouse Sleaze from Alan Russo, and that will be uh, set for May 12th. My Life as an American Nerd from David K. Montoya will resume in June 2021. For the past, like, year, I have been trying to convince my nephew to watch Westworld. Um, he's really into anime and whatnot, and I'm like, trust me, like, like if you like a lot of what you like, you'll like Westworld. You just, you will. And he's like, I know, I'm afraid I just won't get it. And I'm like, I will hold your hand and lead you through this, this journey because it's so worth it. And so finally we, we have sit, sat down and, and he's only on episode four, um, of season one. And I'm not going to spoil anything in case you haven't watched it, which if you haven't, do yourself a favor and watch it. And um, it's fun, you know, I, I'm somebody who loves to go back and rewatch stuff, especially something that has like a lot of nuance and a lot of uh, tricks up its sleeve, a lot of twists and turns. I like to rewatch and like pick up, you know, and even rewatching now up to episode four, I'm like, Oh, you know, there's certain things that I'm like, I did not pick up on. I don't think anybody picked up on if you aren't original or aren't familiar with the source material and stuff, which I was not upon first viewing it. So anyway, the one thing that's really hard about watching like really anything with a teenager and uh, ours is famous, famous, absolutely famous for maybe not always putting his best foot forward in paying attention to the content. And it's not that he's like not sitting there. It's just he has. And I think this is I I hate to knock other generations. I really do. But I do think this is a generational thing. And I know even I know plenty of adults who are like this. But I think I uh, like with kids in particular, they have a lot, you know, and, and I would fact check this like this is something I would not assume. I'm just saying this is my my unverified theory that when kids they're exposed to in particular like social media like vines what were vines like 15 seconds or something and then tiktok and reels and all these you know really short snappy videos there's there's nothing about the the reward there's nothing about like oh i can watch this you know, five minute video or this 10 or this hour long documentary or whatever, like there's no payoff for them. It's just instantaneous gratification. So they have shorter uh, attention spans. Again, strictly theory, nothing scientific behind that at all. Just Jenna talking. So anyway, so if you are, if you have seen Westworld, you know, it's something you really, really need to pay attention to because like there's nothing accidental. What's the most, for me, beyond the story, beyond all of the majesty that is the design and all of the elements, 
my favorite, favorite, favorite part is, and, and you've heard me talk obsessively. We, I think we did a whole episode about it a long time ago. If you watched the most recent season, season three came out last year, and you, you, you kind of know the journey that occurs throughout from season one until season three. I think the most exciting thing, like I said, beyond the story, beyond all that, is going back and listening to the music and the evolution of the music. And if you don't know, the composer is uh, Raman Jawadi, and he is a genius, absolutely, like, held in one of the highest regards, in my personal opinion. He is so fantastic at what he does. And he did, like, Game of Thrones. What else? He did so many uh, really, like, amazing things. Well, he trained at her under Zimmerman. Yeah. So he's he knows a thing. <laughs> if you watch Westworld, then you are familiar with a lot of the covers that he has uh, orchestrated. And one of my favorites is Paint It Black. And, oh, my God, the scene where the song is introduced... Again, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but you should have seen it by now because it was 2016. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a shootout. It's this uh, stereotypical Old West shootout. And it is just such a cool scene. Reworking of the song Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones uh, was... I don't know how exactly, like... Like, the brain worked and operated to turn it into what it is. Because, like, he, he, I don't know. I I don't know who was involved. I can't imagine it was just Raman Jawadi and that's it. Like, it feels like the effort of just hundreds of people. But to completely deconstruct a song and then reassemble it in a composing manner... Because the whole song is what's narrating the scene like a score, like a composition, not like a sample of a song, not like, you know, oh, they've got this song playing in the, this popular song playing in the background or whatever. It's, it's paint it black, but completely overhauled to where it is navigating the scene and it it's so cool. And you have, I mean, other songs, like I said, my the one that I will beg to be played at my funeral. I don't know why. It's just my favorite. Uh, the Weeknd's Wicked Games is covered in season three. And it is, if you get the chance, throw some headphones on and just close your eyes, get comfortable and just settle in like and feel, feel it in your heart <laughs> like just feel it in your bones it's so good anyway i am so sorry that was a tangent and that's and that scene dolores you know brings the knockout yeah it's <laughs> so cool it's like that's with the teenager like that's one thing that like absolutely devastates me is he's not as appreciative of these details like as i am i think it's because composing is its own thing you know, such as when you create music or popular music, it's its own environment versus a, a composure of sorts, such as with Raman's imagery, right? He took these popular songs and transposed them into 
classical pieces. But he put them in like a totally like, like yeah. evolutionary state. Absolutely. Like there's it's Yeah, there's there's no easy yeah. there's no easy way to do it. He completely about. like disassembled and the good then somehow news is, reassembled. <laughs> the good news is you only need the mechanical license for that. No. Uh, <laughs> but he uh he did it. He did it in a beautiful manner because he's actually creating the emotional impact with the image. So you need to use the video image alongside the emotional impact of the music. Uh, I mean, like the the more so run of the mill uh, uh, composing tactics, such as the cello against the violin or the viola. My personal favorite, the viola. It is such a temperamental instrument. That's a side note, though. Yidihu. Well, wait, can I can I just jump in really, really quick? Because I do want to kind of argue that a little. Because at the end of season three, again, no spoilers, there is a song. It's a new addition, and it plays at a very important scene. It's based off of a part of the score from the first season. And if you watch the show, you know the, the difference from season one to season three. They are essentially two different worlds. And two totally different characters, you know, from the essence. And I hear, like, watch, watching season one, and I hear that por- that portion, and I, I get myself choked up because it makes me think of the emotion and the evolution to the usage of that, that score in the final season, in the final episode. And it is so powerful. And it's an original composition. I'm saying run of the mill such as the composure of the instrument itself instead of the actual original piece versus the cover piece, right? So you have the original works of art, which the original is the original piece for the intro music, and it is obviously emotionally bound to the series. So if you hear that music or you hear his Game of Thrones music, right, then you created the emotional connection. The original pieces is definitely um, a, a, a... a beautiful, you know, way way for him to express these emotions. What I was saying was the run of the mill, you know. Um, also, kudos on them too for using the composure of the instruments to keep the um, flow, you know, of the entire series. Because even when the piano starts rolling in the bar scene and whatnot, the pop music comes on to the piano, right? I think they did, um, what was that one? Uh, Black Hole Sun on the piano, mm-hmm. right? Black Hole Sun, Heart Shaped Box. Yeah, so they could have just easily have plugged the and music, even, you know, but, but even, it wouldn't have fit with the whole uh-uh. series because the whole series is about how the relationship between the organic human nature and technology, mm-hmm. right? So this way... They could have created an emotional experience, right? If you... Between scenes, though. Like, if when you watch between scenes, you'll hear the traditional composure, right? The What they will call the fillers mm-hmm. of the scenes. Because, let's be honest, um, <laughs> even scoring a few minutes takes a lot of, t- takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, I think that's too why they they kind of have the the smart tool of using well not it's it's used a lot of having like somebody's somebody's theme you know it's like you've got Th- Ford's theme or you you have Dolores's theme you know and and that way you're able to kind of call it back 
to instantaneous moments. And it's, it's very smart. Right. Um, and, and it is smart. And definitely, but you also need to have in the composing world, you need to have the characters to be able to relate. And this is why if you listen to the idea of the audio dramas being placed out, you need to have the relationship to the characters. Because if you were to, say you are watching a movie or TV show, you're watching a TV show or a movie or whatnot, and the wrong music plays at the wrong time. You're going to have a, uh-oh, mullet, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have, or unless it's for comedic effect, right? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works so amazing. Like uh, in the British show Skins, there was a scene where uh, uh, our two protagonists, no context, this is going to sound very odd, steal uh, a coffin with their friend in it, and <laughs> the, their friend is deceased, and they're on essentially a, a mediocre speed <laughs> pursuit to Britney Spears, oops, I did it again, and it's not that it's supposed to be like slap your knee jarringly funny, it's just, it's it's such a call to the character who had, you know, passed away. And um, the relationship, because that character was this, like, it just didn't fit. It fits so well. And while it was silly and funny, you know, it, it was also still tragic and, and, like, heartbreaking because it was such a personal relationship to the character. Right. And depending on how they use the, the popular music at that time, too, you know, um, I think one of the most requested, uh, I guess it's like on TikTok, one of the most requested violin pieces would be toxic right mm-hmm. because it's dun, 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 dun. Yeah. so dun, dun, dun. you know uh like the like the way that you're going to use the emotional context is keys of the scale right the musical scales and you have the keys and then you also have mo- something called modes right so you have modes like the dorian and i think a really amazing way also a, a composer can create emotion and emotion too is uh, the composer who does Ozark, you know, does a really good job. Yeah. At first, I was like, I'm not sure. And then, you know, as time went on, I'm like, it does make sense because it's heavy on the drums, right? Based where it is at, you know, you can, obviously you could probably throw Americana in there and be just fine. You got to take risks. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, though, music's all taking risks and stuff. Yeah, that was one thing like that. I, I, don't get me wrong, like, okay, so I loved, and yes, I'm sure there is one or two people who, who might uh, try to fight me for this. I loved the Snyder Cut. Um, I will sit there and watch four hours of it, like, throughout the day. My one complaint is the score is, is beautiful, but I did really love the score from the Whedon Cut and actually, of Justice League. And that's a perfect example because remember, th- I think for some reason the biggest thing is because of Aquaman's score. Mm-hmm. When Aquaman comes oh, out of yeah. the bar and um, Seven Nation Army plays, you're like, okay, in I, the I Whedon get it. cut, yeah. And then and then you and then you see the Snyder cut and um, forgive me, I have not looked up the track on that, but, but it they was use more a beautiful Americana yeah. sound, and I'm like. It totally changes the character. That 100%. makes a lot more sense. That I love. Yeah. That I love their use of of the music 
what I'm talking about in particular is like when in in the Whedon cut, I hate even saying that, in the original cut, you have Danny Elfman's Batman score playing for Batman scenes. And I'm just like, like who? I That movie was my everything growing up, you know? They didn't have it in the, the Snyder Mm-mm. cut? Oh, okay. They changed it. And, and I, again, I'm totally fine with it. But like that's where we come into the emotional aspect. You know, I think for a lot of women, say what you will about Wonder Woman, there's a lot of, you know, people in general who have a very um, fond notion of Wonder Woman's release. And hearing, you know, hearing her music, like, in her introduction in the previous Snyder Cut, or Snyder Cut, the previous Snyder films, great. But in Wonder Woman, when you hear that music, that, like, bass just hit, and you're like, oh, you know? And they kept that, because it's from Snyder Snyder's vision. Um, they kept it, but they gave it, like, a whole new vibe, and it just works. But again... When we talk about, like, that emotional correlation, hearing Batman's tracks, hearing, you know, I mean, like, Danny Elfman's Batman, you know, score, it's so cool. And it made, like, it made me so giddy. And um, that was, like, my only little, little... I I feel, too, like, that's what made music videos, like, so popular, too. You know, it's because Mm -hmm. now you had the visual connection to make the emotional connection Mm -hmm. behind the music, you know? Um... I mean, that and 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 it's it's weird. Like when you have videos connected to the artists, you know, and um, when they're played a lot and they're popular, and even though it's, it would be popular music too, like you know how many cover bands are out there on YouTube and they're making, eh, I guess, a pretty good living, you know, being cover bands out there, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I think I posted actually one of them on a couple episodes back. Yeah, First 11. Do you want your book published? I'm Walter G. Esselman, author of Super Horror Max and winner of last year's Open Contract Challenge. Now, Dark Myth Publications is having their third annual Open Contract Challenge. And we're looking for novels, books of poetry, novellas, comic books, and more. This is your chance. The grand prize is seeing your book in print on Amazon, no less, just like mine was this past March. First things first, though, you need to send in your pitch by the end of April. Just go to opencontractchallenge.com, and it's under submissions in the top right. From there, independent judges will choose 10 to go to the next round. Take a chance. As the final judge, I'm dying to read your work. came across one artist whose music had grabbed a hold of my attention and shook it like I owed it money. His single entitled Cocaine and Abel, which has such a powerful message. Now, I remind you that he is indeed classified under the, quote, murder folk, unquote, genre. So, listener discretion is advised. However... Amigo the Devil blends beautifully crafted lyrics with sweet blends of instruments that discharge your consciousness into another dimension. With rather satirical and observational social issues at hand, his genius melts over his new album, like Velveeta Cheese, Born Against. 
So there's an article in the Rolling Stone magazine where um, he took inspiration from like Fiona Apple and um, uh, Tom Waits. And the Tom Waits is really, I didn't hear it at first, but then you played a song for me and I was like, oh. Yeah, the song's called Shadow. There it is. (laughs) Um, And Serial Killers. (laughs) And I I love Tom Waits. Tom Waits is one of my favorites, so. Absolutely. Um, For somebody to like kind of, yeah, you know, I drew drew inspiration from Tom Waits. I'm like, you know, okay, okay. And then you hear it and you're like, no, okay, good. Yeah, I get this. Bro- I grasp it. I grasp it a whole lot. broke out as resonator. Yeah, I feel like this this whole week, like this whole month, we're just not so much with, throughout the podcast, but it's like even I just did the review for the magazine and I'm not going to spoil what it is because you'll just have to wait and see. But uh, it was really like heavily music based and I'm just like, all I'm doing is like, like talking about how amazing the music is, <laughs> and but then again, like I've also been in a in a position where, like right now, because I'm I'm working myself to the bone, like like exhaustively, and I think I'm starting to lose my mind a little. Um, so I'm listening to Red Handed the podcast on repeat, but then I'm also flip flopping with a lot of music that honestly is just like I don't know. It's it's music has been very much my saving grace at the moment. So I think that's that's probably why. Like I, it's it's kind of the the theme of the week, if you will. Hey. But yeah, it's uh, when you read the when you read the the review, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Just get your motor rolling a little bit. Jenna has a little lyric. She's gonna kick out to something that sounds a little bit like this. That is how we make it onto the top 100 billboard, right? Absolutely. Grease 2, the superior grease. Although it was not. It is. <laughs> no. It is. I will, I will physically I will phys- physically altercate with anybody who argues that. How come there's not a Grease 3? Because <laughs> Grease 2 was, was the cutting off point. I, th- I feel like Grease 2 should have been the first Grease. They should make Grease 3... Scored Raman Jawadi. You know what though? That would be cool. What if he just put out like a whole album of like Grease One and Two covers? Oh my god, imagine Cool Rider. That would be sick. Yeah, Cool Rider back to the basses and the, the, the cello. So, Get a little quartet and have a chamber quartet in there. And just, whoa, whoa, whoa. How are we going to befriend? Raman Jawadi and get him to do this. Like, that's that's the question we need to... Don't worry, it's already in place. <laughs> Just baby step. 
I feel like everybody who hears me sit here and talk aggressively about why Grease 2 is the superior Grease will no longer trust me to review the magazine anymore. Like, I'm fired. <laughs> They're going to call for my cancellation. <laughs> but to be... Okay, like... Can't... Why, can't, why isn't Grease 2 good to you? Well, you said it was better. Yeah. You said it was the best. Which mm-hmm. is not, because it does not have Travolta. Right? It no, but have- it has Pfeiffer. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I mean, he's got Michelle Pfeiffer, but doesn't... I think for a lot of, uh, I think for a lot of people, Michelle Pfeiffer was um, uh, keep it PG here, a a romantic awakening, and uh, you know when when I was exposed to again, let's go back to Batman and uh, Batman Returns. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I was uh, very much in love. You've got great music, super catchy tunes. You've got an attractive lead cast who are all improperly aged to play teenagers, right? Uh, there is one actress who plays uh, closely aged. I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's a great movie. It's so much better and so much more aesthetically pleasing in my opinion uh stephanie spumoni is the coolest yeah i will i will fight tooth and nail over grease too and um when joe got a motorcycle um i'll be darned if i did not sing cool rider back to back to back to back for months on end i still sing it at him that might be why he hates it huh you're just like, stop screaming Cool Rider at me. Maybe. A little bit of background. Uh, we did get our microchips today. Um, if you're not sure, we got vaccinated. And it is... Uh, I feel fine. Joe's a little sleepy. So I know. They said, oh, it's going to be the next day. I don't know. Maybe they put it... Maybe it was the suggestion. I gave it, gave it the extra dose right there. The extra <laughs> dose. So, uh, if you can, you should really contemplate getting vaccinated, people. I'm not going to tell you to do it or not do it, but, uh, you know, the the science is there, and uh, it's a good thing. So, that's all I'm going to say. Anyway, we're going to go crash from our vaccinations slash microchippings slash uh, 5G target practice, and... Otherwise, you can find us at www.theworldofmyth.com, on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine, and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. And do not forget about the open contract challenge. Think about it, contemplate on it, do it. I'm going to hit you with some Walt Disney. If you can dream it, you can be it, right? Hmm? <laughs> oh, for the um for the open contract challenge too, yes. I'm gonna go ahead and put a um. But in the center of our podcast, I went ahead and plugged it from our own Walter G. Esselman. Thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you.
of Mythbits.